Now it's time for the Rural News with Monique Steele. Kia ora, Monique. And for the first time since eradication efforts began, there are no farms infected with Mbovis. Yes, it's a huge milestone in the eradication of Mycoplasma bovis, but officials say we're still not out of the woods just yet. Since the cattle disease was first detected here in 2017, it's been cleared from 280 farms. That means all stock has been culled and the property has gone through a disinfection process. Minister of Agriculture and Biosecurity Damien O'Connor says the last known infected property in mid-Canterbury has been declared disease-free, taking New Zealand to zero confirmed infections. This has been a huge program, over $650 million spent. There's been $250 million in compensation go back uh, to farmers. We've had over 3,000 farms that have been affected by movement controls. 280 farms have been depopulated. So that's been really hard on the families and all of those involved. But, you know, they've, they've stuck with us, and this has meant that we've effectively got rid of M. Bovis. It may pop up uh, from time to time. We'll have ongoing surveillance systems in both dairy and the beef herds. Um, but this is a very significant move in what is a world first. Mr O'Connor says getting to this point has involved a huge effort by farmers, industry groups and government. He says the decision to eradicate was the right one, as allowing the disease to become endemic was estimated to cost around $1.3 billion in lost production, and that's in the first 10 years alone. Mycoplasma bovis is across uh, many countries in the world. Farmers run systems that are less intensive. Uh, they're faced with mastitis, with abortions and calves and uh, lameness. And so it means that farmers run systems that are less intensive. They have to care for their animals more and it would impact drastically on the farm systems that we run here where we have very effective and efficient and athletic cows in an outdoor system. Uh, the pressure that comes on them from time to time would result and did result in some drastic consequences for many farmers that had Mbovis. So keeping this out of a country is, a, is an effort well worth it. Damien O'Connor says testing for the disease will continue, but the eradication effort will change tact, moving towards a national pest management plan, which will be managed by Osprey. It's expected the forecast milk price will drop further after values nosedived at the global dairy auction overnight. The average price dropped 4.3% to $3,100 a tonne, a three-year low point. The price of whole milk powder, which strongly influences the payouts for local farmers, fell 8% to $2,864 a tonne. Dairy X dairy, uh, NZX dairy economist Amy Castleton says the dip in prices was unexpected. It will definitely have an impact on, on the milk price forecast. So our one's currently sitting around sort of 750 level. Um, so a whole milk powder is a good chunk of the milk price, so it definitely will take a hit. Whether that's longer term over the whole season, it's probably a bit early to tell because we are, we are still quite early in the season. Whether it results in Fonterra coming out with a milk price update is still questionable as well. They're not, not due for one until September. But she says prices shouldn't fall much further. It seems to just be by our willingness to, to pay higher prices. So um, the demand was there, the volume sold, but it just didn't happen on the price front. China bought a lot more whole milk powder than they have for a while and a lot more skim as well. 
So they sort of came back into the auction this time, which we also haven't seen for a while. Um, it's, it's mostly been on Southeast Asia for the last several auctions. There's some good signals there, uh, which makes me think that we probably won't continue to see such a strong declining trend. That's Amy Castleton. A dumping of snow around the bottom half of the South Island isn't causing issues for farmers, with many saying the bad weather has headed north. The wintry blast sparked a number of Met Service weather warnings and watches across the country overnight and into this morning. Simon Williamson of Glenbrook Station between Omarama and Twizel says there's thick snow on the mountaintops, but the bottom parts of the farm only had a kiff. He says shearing hasn't started yet, so the sheep are keeping warm and have plenty of feed. At nearby Glenmore Station in the Mackenzie country, Will Murray says it's a similar story at his place. He's had about five centimetres of snow, but it isn't causing any issues. He says the weather has cleared to blue sky. In the North Island, though, Auckland is being battered by strong winds. The region's Federated Farmers President, Alan Cole, says it's been a long winter already, so more bad weather is the last thing farmers need. Feed supplies, grass-wise, are getting tight on farms up here in the Auckland region. Really gusty and blowy at the moment. We haven't had a lot of rain overnight. Um, maybe I tipped out at about 10 mils this morning. I hear we're going to get a polar blast later on today, so that won't be much help for us. Everybody's just you know, batting down the hatches this afternoon. I think it's supposed to get a lot worse with the wind, and etc. That's Alan Cole. Samoa's Trade Commissioner says his country is having a reality check on the benefits of sending seasonal workers overseas. The recognised seasonal employment scheme conference is underway in Christchurch. For Atui Tui, Apete Meredith says the scheme was a product of its own success. He says Samoa needs to make sure it does not adversely impact on the country's own economic development. Now Samoa has to take a reality check of how this program, this scheme, has been so successful that we need more equity or equitable uh, distribution of the benefits so that everybody can at least have a chance. In January this year, Samoa temporarily halted sending seasonal workers to both New Zealand and Australia over brain drain and exploitation concerns. The green light has been given for two existing predominantly production forestry blocks to be sold to overseas interests. The latest Overseas Investment Office decisions include nearly 24,500 hectares of pine plantation in the central North Island and 370 hectares of newly planted land in Southland. Susan Murray with the details. The 100% owned Canadian Ontario Teachers Pension Plan has bought the Central North Island property, which it plans to keep operating as a commercial forest. The pension plan's been investing in New Zealand forestry for 19 years. A nearly 370 hectares of land at Castle Rock, Southland, has been sold to a 100% British-owned trust with two UK citizens as beneficiaries. The land is mostly planted in two- to three-year-old pine trees. 20 hectares remains to be planted this year, and all the pines will be harvested for timber. 60 hectares of the land is not suitable for pine trees. Both sales met the investor in special forestry test. Disrupted supply chains and Awatoto's wool-scouring plant still out of action are continuing to cause issues for North Island wool growers. Woolworks plants in Clive and Timaru are running full tilt, but the amount of wool that's needed processing continues to back up. AgriHQ senior analyst Mel Crowd says it's adding a lot of costs for North Island farmers having to send their clip down to Timaru. 
Reportedly the plant in Tamura is fully booked until at least December. That backlog is going to continue to grow just as more wool is shorn uh, in the months ahead. And if we look at wool prices in the North Island, they've been back about 20 cents a kilo clean. Just as that uh, freight to Tamaru needs to be factored in, those good fleeces are making... A few are making over $3 a kilo clean. Um, South Island's faring a lot better, though. Those top well-prepared uh, crossbred fleeces at times are reaching highs uh, in excess of $4 a kilo clean. Now, that's not a level we've seen since 2016. So, yeah, some positive um, market news coming through there finally for wool, but we've still got a long way to go. Malcrode says it could be 12 to 18 months before the supply chain returns to normal. And that's the rural news for today. Kia pai te ra. Thank you very much, Monique.